everyone. I'm Dr. Rachel Lupian. And I'm Dr. Stephanie Sparrow. Our climate is in crisis, and we all want to help, but we might not know how. We're talking to people who have figured out how to use their talents to combat climate change in the hopes that their journey might inspire your own. This is How We Got Here, because the Earth needs professional help. Hello, Stephanie. <laughs> Hello, Rachel. We're so <laughs> formal today. <laughs> Hello, welcome oh, to the podcast. Boy, it's a Wednesday. On Wednesdays, we're formal. You know, Wednesdays were formal, I, and we were. I got a picture today from my son's daycare that said, "On Wednesday, we wear the same sweatpants," and it was two my son no. and another child in the same sweatpants from Target. That's very cute. But they did the Mean Girls thing, and I was I was like, I don't know who's telling me this and who gets this reference, but I'm here for it. I love yeah, it. I know. I know. How are? I also just love the little picture of little. Theo and <gasps> tiny sweatpants. Tiny sweatpants all the time because not much <laughs> else fits his lovely chunky bum. Um, <laughs> how are you? Let's get into it. Good things, bad yeah. things. Wow, it's it's been a while. I've had some good things. I've had some bad things. Mostly good. You start good or um, bad? Bi- we start good. Yeah, I'm gonna. Well, so okay, mine are kind of okay. related, so I'm gonna say them together, and then you can go. Yeah, you go. <laughs> That's the plan. Love it. Okay. So, and I tweeted about this. So some people might know that I got a big NSF <gasps> grant funded. Yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. What's it called? Mm-hmm. What's it called? What's the title? Okay. So, right. So this is called Terrestrial Organics Since the Oligocene, Toto, The Rains Down in Africa. Rachel is the best grant yeah. titler. So, that's why it was funded. But... <laughs> Uh, the reviews were just like hilarious. Na- no, I'm just kidding. Actually, none of the reviews oh. mentioned the title. My God, I, very professional of them. I thought you were serious. <laughs> I was like, that's <laughs> the best. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Um, but also, congratulations, because um, getting an NSF grant yeah. is huge. I mean, just like full disclosure, this took me two years to write. I mean, really and truly, this was not. I'll just like I woke up one day and decided to write this and then it was funded and then we like it was a lot. But what I did not tweet about but I will tell you here is that I had another grant, oh. another NSF proposal that I wrote only a couple months after that one. Maybe a week later that one was rejected. <laughs> Good bad. Which is fine. I was like I was on the high from the first so I was not super down about it, but it just I, I had a 100% success rate for like a week. <laughs> and 50% is really good. I'm not, uh, like, they're tough, but yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so there's, there's bads and I, you know, that one, I tried to make that title good. I couldn't even say it cause it was too long. I don't remember it. It had it was called brainstorm oh, yeah. because it was like neural networks and rainfall, which I thought was funny, but then I've tried to force an acronym. That's probably why it was declined. I anyway. I would love to think it's not the two years of work, groundwork, and legwork right, they yeah, put into right. this, but uh, only based on time. Yes, no, done. NSF is, I, I mean, mean, I don't know. Huge congratulations. I have. Thank you. The second one did take me much less time to write. Um, Perhaps that was Maybe it. that's the relationship. I will say I have applied for many an NSF maybe. grant, and my rate is zero percent 
Uh, Which the is other okay. thing was that this other one that got rejected had funding for this podcast in it, and that got rejected. So I wasn't gonna bring we'll, that part we'll up. To, uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, you know what? Anyway, so how are you? I am good. Yeah, in in week four of our semester, really headed in. A good thing that nice. happened for us. I a paper that us uh, an undergraduate started got published this week two years later submitted in 2019 gonna throw that out there but it got published and i think it's important um and it came out of a final project he was doing in our class and i that's awesome yeah i'll try and give a really brief synopsis but basically i was very naive to the fact that structural racism affected cemeteries and perpetual care i don't i'm sure there are only black cemeteries and only white cemeteries in massachusetts but it was just a problem because i'm a white lady never even knew about here it's very obvious here in Virginia. Huh. Um, and only recently did the state start giving money for perpetual care to black cemeteries. So we worked in the cemetery called East End Cemetery. Black cemetery, no funding for perpetual care. was left up to the descendants to maintain. And it's huge. It's a big cemetery. Mm. It's an um, volunteer group started to come in. And one of my students, we flew a drone over it to help make a map for Sweet. visitors to the cemetery. But he came up with a way to use GIS um, to try and just uncover hidden graves graves that have been buried in overgrowth and vegetation and we use just like a cheap i'm cheap in quotes but just like a best buy drone like a dji drone some arcgis a very simple methodology so we basically are like hoping other friends of cemeteries and volunteer groups can use this method to actually allow the descendants to reclaim these spaces that have been neglected not wow so we're i don't know i'm excited it's out there and it's in an archaeology journal yeah. which is like really funny and cool that, um, that's you the archaeologist yeah exactly Steph's fair, archaeologist. that's awesome that is so, that seems very impactful and to have it led by an undergraduate student is so it was cool it was great and it like is richmond and it like opens my eyes to all the ways that i have been naive to so many other things race racial things uh yeah so that's cool. And then, yeah, unlike every other episode before this, I'm going to say I can't think of a bad off the top of my head. So it's a... You don't have, like, the flu No flu, bronchitis no bronchitis, <laughs> no tonsillitis. Theodore was in daycare, has no been in all daycare all week. <laughs> you didn't get any gross photos no documenting No gross his... photos of okay. his literal <laughs> shit. <laughs> But yeah. Wow, good week. Good week. <laughs> and going to be a great week because of our guest. Can I tell you about him? Yeah, I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, he's the best. Uh, his name is Jordan Roll, and he was what I would call a jack of all trades. He's currently a non-traditional undergraduate. Listeners, I put non-traditional in quotes because he's 26, and he's at the University of Vermont where he's majoring in natural resources. Um, I know Jordan because my husband met him when he was 18 years old, and they were both outdoor educators in California. And my husband described Jordan to me as the most mature 18-year-olds I've ever met. And he really is. He's like, when I met him and he was still kind of a child, he was really mature. Um, But in the time I've known him, he's been a ski patroller, a stonewall builder, a podcast host, a trail crew manager. And what's super cool is he's currently collaborating with filmmaker Dwayne Peterson III to produce a documentary following his paddling the entirety of Lake Champlain, which is the very long lake between Vermont and New York. Very, That's a long lake. It's a long lake. It's a long paddle. And he's doing that to raise awareness <laughs> about its environmental health. And I will just close with the fact that him and his super cool partner are the only two people I'll ever go outdoor rock climbing with because they are wilderness certified and meticulously safe. And I get hurt very easily. But I'm really stoked for all of us to catch up. So welcome, Jordan. 
Jordan. Thank you for being here. It's really good to see you. You do so. I you your introduction was the hardest for me to write because you do so many things. But I think what do you what do you do right now? You're you're a student, but you're also making a documentary. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I guess most simply, I'm an undergrad student at the University of Vermont studying natural resources. Um, but if I want to make the conversation longer or not talk <laughs> no, about No, 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 podcast school, over. Bye, Jordan. We're good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm most excited about the documentary about Lake Champlain that I'm working on. Can and I? That's ha- taken up a lot of time. Sure. So you, well, I have so many questions about this. One, yeah. that's a real long lake to kayak. Yeah, long lake. Uh, yeah, it's 120 miles. It took two weeks to paddle, although I was taking my time. I'd expect longer, but I don't kayak. <laughs> you paddle? Well, I had a south wind at my back, oh, and that, at least for like it. the first half, which makes paddling almost too it's easy. It's just like floating. Yeah. And then, yeah, you're just steering. And then when the wind changed to the north, it blowing in my face, I was like, oh, this, this is when it gets hard. <laughs> oh, no. Jordan, I have an advanced degree in geography, but which way does Lake Champlain flow? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's oriented, as you know, primarily north to south, uh-huh. and it flows... That dang Laurentide ice sheet. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it flows north out of the Richelieu River. Oh, okay. Um, up through Canada and into the St. Lawrence. Great. That's what I thought, but just wanted to make all the listeners know. Rachel, do you have questions? <laughs> Wait, but also, when you say a wind is a directional wind, isn't it like the opposite, or is that so his, not true? No, that's right. The southerly wind is coming from the south, so it pushed him north, continuing to Canada, which was helpful. And his gotcha. northerly wind, also, Mm-mm-mm. my students in my Weather, Climate, and Society class got that wrong all the time. But it's like ocean currents are the opposite, right? Like you call it northerly like they're going to the north. Anyway, Um, I will Google that. Yeah, I don't know anything about oceans. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, we're like, we're earth people. (laughs) Terrestrial beings. I mean, me too. I'm not a water person. But you Um, kayaked 120 miles. Professional water person, actually. Yeah, I'm pretty scared of the water, actually. (laughs) But Jordan, what, why did you kayak those 120 Where, what, What's your documentary about, aside from I'm kayaking 120 miles? Yeah, so, um, well, there's sort of a backstory, which, in, you know, includes some of me going to school and all. But um, pretty much I, I came back to Vermont and started taking this class where we were talking a lot about Lake Champlain. And... I realized that even though I grew up just five miles from the lake, uh, I really didn't know anything about it. And as I learned more about it, I realized that A, as someone who likes to travel around, usually by foot, but in a kayak, sure, uh, I needed to go out on the lake and explore. It sounded too much fun. Different perspective, yeah. Yeah, and and B, I also just felt like in order to understand some of the issues that I was learning about, for me, I'm not going to learn about them best in a classroom. Like, I had to just go out there. And I could only watch so many videos or hear so many presentations mm-hmm. or look at so many charts. You know, I was just like, okay, I just want to go out and talk to people. <laughs> and so the whole goal of the project was I'm going to paddle the length of the lake and I'm going to talk to a bunch of people along the way to learn about their perspectives 
of what they think the biggest challenges facing Lake Champlain are. Uh, because everyone's was different. You talked to some pretty cool people. Yeah, so early on in the project, like, you know, once we got funded and it was like, okay, this is happening. Also, how did um, you, wait, can I, who gave you money for this? <laughs> how does how does one get money to be like, oh, I'm going to paddle, like, learn about it, because fuck classes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I pretty much I wanted to, like, recreate this this experience I had in this course, but in movie form. Because huh. for me, I think, like, communicating science is something like like i don't do science <laughs> you guys as as i understand it do science sure. i mm. uh, <laughs> i uh don't but i think that like communicating uh conservation and environmental issues and climate change issues is super important and i don't i mean i guess i like to talk and so i'm like okay let's make this movie that like tells this compelling story of adventure and sort of like sneakily convinces people to yeah. become aware of the environmental issues through it. And we love a sneaky message. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I have this idea. And I remember texting, um, you know, my path of like taking this class at UVM and learning about these issues coincided with my friend Dwayne Peterson, who had just moved back to Vermont and uh, during due to COVID and left mm. California where he was, you know, starting his filmmaking career. And he ended up here in Vermont and oh. didn't really have much work yet. Wow. And so I said, hey, Dwayne, uh, I, I, I still have the text, you know, because the iPhones, they save the text. <laughs> and it's like, hey, do you want to make a movie where we paddle the length of the lake and talk to people along the way about, you know, the issues facing it? And uh, that quickly morphed into, uh, sure, but if I sit in the canoe with you and, you know, film the back of your head, that's not going to be a good movie. So how about you paddle it and uh, and I'll get a motorboat and follow you <laughs> along the way. Uh, um, living the life. So the second question after that was, he's like, sure, I'll help you. But, um, you know, I'm a professional now, so we're going to have to figure yeah. out a <laughs> way to pay for yeah. this. And, uh, and so after f- looking through a few different sources, private foundation like i don't know how to find money yeah, for right. stuff i've never written a grant i've never done any yeah. of that um, it's a skill yeah yeah it's super important one and and honestly like it, it can i mean it's fun asking for money on one hand it's also can be very exhausting but yeah. um but after i mean we wrote one grant and didn't get it because we didn't have we weren't a nonprofit. I just said, they're like, who are you? You know, and I'm like, oh, I'm a student. And I'm like, okay, well, we need like a nonprofit or something. <laughs> and so the second one we applied for through the Lake Champlain Basin Program, which essentially distributes like EPA funding, um, you know, for the Clean Water oh, Act cool. and stuff regionally, uh, gave us money for an outreach and education grant. And so that awesome. was our first main funding. And then we picked up a couple of smaller grants uh, from UVM and from a private foundation along the way. So what are the main issues that are facing Lake Champlain? Yeah, so the biggest one is cyanobacteria, um, also dubbed blue-green algae. Um, but as you know, maybe some of you science folk would understand better than me, uh, it's not an algae. A cyan- you know, a bacteria is different. Um, but essentially, um, high levels of phosphorus, um, coming into the lake, create an imbalance in the chemistry of the water and create these nasty, at its worst, blue and green, like spilled paint and pea soup water across the lake. And it makes it, um, toxic, 
uh, often for animals, for humans, uh, you know, taints water supplies for drinking, makes it incredibly hard to have healthy ecosystems, and it's just all around disgusting. And then is climate change making those worse or yes or no or... Or are these just all mostly just anthropogenic like land surface? Yeah, yeah, just people. Yeah, so pretty much the ingredients, as I've come to understand it, for cyanobacteria blooms are uh, you need the phosphorus, and and phosphorus occurs naturally, right? And it comes it's in a like nutrient. naturally. Yeah. It's a nutrient. We need it. humans need it to survive. Yeah, the ecosystem too. needs it. The problem is, is that when it's we're putting it um, into our stormwater in cities in high amounts. Um, so developed areas, we're putting it into the water too much. Uh, when we're putting it on our fields uh, with, f- you know, fertilizers Fertilizer. in too high levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's getting into the lake. And we actually have this legacy phosphorus. It's like at the bottom of the lake. It's in the sediments from when we were doing a really bad job of loading the lake with phosphorus sure. in like the 70s. And so you have this phosphorus in the sediments. And when you get... Uh, High water temperatures, so here comes your climate change and and big storm events. Oh, sure, and mixing um, and those, stuff. Exactly, ah. those storm events, you know, the hot water kind of preps Kicks the water and then yep. the storm water comes in and just stirs it all up. And Vermont's um, also seeing a lot more increased extreme precipitation events too, like that whole basin. So not only is it probably even more runoff, temperature, yeah. but there's a lot more... I would say storm events, I think, too. Yeah, I think so, and just higher intensity. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, the first uh, 13 days of my paddling trip were, were beautiful and clean water, and we're talking about all these issues in, like, sort of a hypothetical. <laughs> yeah. But the whole time, you know, it was in, like, the highest August or, or the hottest August on record. And so I was out there in the middle of the lake, like sweating like yeah. crazy. I mean, even though you're on a lake, you feel like you're in the oh, middle of sure. a desert because there's no shade. Yeah. Um, and then sure enough, the last couple of days, we had these, uh, you know, moderate sized storms. Uh, but that was enough. And the final day in Missisquoi Bay was, um, I mean, it's hard to put into words, not even the images we captured. I mean, really there are some like it, but... hauntingly beautiful. I want to say to use a drone, like drone shots. Yeah of you on the lake in the middle of this like giant bloom. We'll link to the Instagram for your film. Wait, yeah, I want to see the Instagram. Uh, yeah. The movie oh, yeah. is not out yet, right? No, the movie okay. is in the works. It's uh, gonna come out in spring of um, 2022. Very exciting. But you talk to like, you talk to indigenous people on Lake Champlain and I know it's named by, it's not called that and I can't think of the actual one and then you talked to like bill mckibben didn't you like didn't you talk to like really yeah. yeah so it's like it's a really cool project yeah it was all about trying to get like diverse perspectives and hopefully every meaning of the word um whether like what what their interaction is with the water are they a recreator are they a local do they rely on the water for drinking mm-hmm. or do they use it for like farming but um also getting you know regional perspectives of both new york and canada and vermont um we talked to yeah the leader of uh chief don stevens of N- the nolhiga band of the kusak abenaki nation which was really cool experience and environmentalists like Bill McKibben, him and I went on a hike yeah. on Mount Mansfield, which was quite a trip. I, I like, yeah, very humbled that like, I learned a lot from all those people. In my research, I study past climate change 
sometimes millions of years ago and I study lake systems millions of years ago and and how um, hominins like our early human ancestors lived in lake basins and and where they dispersed to and stuff but I'm thinking of it on larger scales but it's really interesting to think about like all the ways that humans us today but also even earlier depended on depend on lakes just recreating and drinking and all all these this oh yeah well it's also crazy because right there's a lot more rules in place with things like the clean water act where it's like you can't load as much phosphorus right and it lake champlain's interesting because it's a it's a a three it's new york vermont canada so there's different laws right Mm -hmm. about point sources and stuff like that but i think one thing that you got at jordan that i had no idea about was like in the 70s, we were just loading phosphorus on everything to make stuff grow all the time. Let's just throw it on Mm -hmm. there, throw it on there, throw it on there. And I have never, I think I did a little bit, when Rachel and I were in grad school, I went on on to Narragansett Bay, which is an estuary in Rhode Island, and super polluted. A bunch of fish kills happened all the time. They started, and it's mostly industrial, and they started really um, regulating how much industrial waste went in there. But they did once they did that, the the estuary, the bay, got healthier, and there is no legacy. I never even thought about the fact hmm. that there would be this, like, legacy effect in the sediment that storms plus climate change, like, what a crazy mix of a problem that you really can't, that's a lot harder to solve, I think, right? Because it's, it's you could say everyone stopped throwing phosphorus in the lake, but you're still going to have this right. adverse effect because of stuff we did. 40, 50 years ago, which is crazy to me. So what got you interested, like going way back, what got you interested initially in in work combating the climate crisis? And in your case, um, you know, making this film, it sounds like you're from Vermont. I feel like environmentalists come from Vermont. Like... <laughs> we just, we just grow straight bread. out of the fields here. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, next question. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I think, well, it's, I mean, your question makes me think of two things. Like one, I don't know, like so many of folks story, and they're related, um, is that once I started going outside to play, like there was no turning back. Um, you know, for me, the word, like, to be honest with you, like climate change isn't the word that like, gets me going Mm -hmm. like it's not sort of like the concept that I frame my work around necessarily and you know I don't necessarily know why but for me it's it's a it's more about conservation and outdoor recreation and playing outside whether it was growing up skiing as a kid to like the first time I went out west and saw big mountains and went to the desert um like has just given me so much like it's made me feel so alive and being outside and and more importantly like being outside with friends and new friends and old friends has just like I mean that's me that's everything for me (laughs) and so I like to think that like other people either have that or could have that Mm -hmm. and like that like I I you know I don't know if it's a a 100% 100% truth for everybody but like I'm gonna follow that as long as I can that getting people outside building community outside has been so important for me so I'm gonna keep trying to make it happen for other people too Jordan you're the biggest outdoor recreator I know <laughs> and that's like saying something because I know a lot of geologists but I've never loved seen somebody that has 
like your your whole body changes when you go from inside of a house <laughs> to outside of a house. I like literally feel like your gait changes. But Jordan, okay, what was your first job? Because Chris, who is my husband and who knows knows you, and now we know each other, uh, <laughs> did outdoor education with you in Big Bear in California. And I was like, Chris, he was 18. And Chris said, yeah, and I think you were supposed to have a college degree to work there. And I was like, Jordan definitely didn't have a college degree. <laughs> but was that your first job? And also, how did you scam these people into giving you a job? <laughs> also, Big Bear is a great name for a place. Oh, it's a capital. <laughs> yeah, California, right? Part of the reason, honestly, great branding, probably a big reason why I ended up there. Was that your first job? Oh, no. My first job was at McDonald's. Tell I worked there for a year. Are there even McDonald's in the state of Vermont? I feel like they've legislated, yeah. so they're oh, yeah. no big... No, so our claim, like, the classic trivia uh, question is, what's the only state capital without a McDonald's? And it's Montpelier, Vermont. Montpelier, Vermont. Vermont. I knew there was a thing. I have a McDonald's trivia. (laughs) That's what what we're doing, right? Yeah, that's Uh, what this whole podcast uh, is about. I'm ready. Well, okay, this is really old trivia. I think it's from, like, when I was growing up, but I heard... (laughs) That the average American lives four minutes away from a McDonald's. Not in Vermont. Not in Vermont, though. Hey, but I didn't grow up in what most people think of as Vermont. Admittedly, mm-hmm. I grew up in the place called Chittenden County, which growing up, you know, I didn't hear this until high school, but I realized it like framed my entire life up to that point, which was, uh, you know, one of my teachers asked me, he's like, you know what the uh, you know what they say the nice thing about living in Chittenden County is. Oh my god! And I said what? He's like it's close to Vermont. <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> any of this, Jordan. Did you it's grow up in Vermont? The idea I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel it's, and I are not from Vermont, so we don't understand what is happening. Don't get it. it is like the closest you can get to a suburb uh, in Vermont, so it's more developed. Oh. Um, there's a lot of like housing development. Yeah. So I did. For all two Vermont listeners, McDonald's. what a good joke. Am I right? Jordan, you grew up in the one suburb of Vermont, is what Rachel and I just learned. And you worked at McDonald's in this one suburb in Vermont in high school. Yes. But that, how did you get to California? Well, so then my second job was I dressed up as a mouse <clears throat> at uh, a ski resort. Um, oh, that's the only job I could get at a ski resort when I was whatever, uh, 16, maybe. Um, what was the role of this mouse? Well, uh, <laughs> to entertain, to entertain the children at the resort is, oh. uh, the mouse's name is Mogul Mouse after like the ski moguls, uh-huh. which are little sure, snow sure. bumps on the trail. Sure. And, uh, you know, I eventually kind of made the role my own and would wear the mouse costume skiing around yeah. the hill. Um, was, was did the mouse have friends? Were there other animals? Yeah, there was Billy Bob Bear. Okay. Oh, <laughs> um, that big and Big Bear, California. That there, makes sense. No, this Sam is in Vermont snake. still, right? Well, no, but that's it. Planted the oh, seed. Oh, okay, I yeah. gotcha. Oh, I see. <laughs> so, after dressing up as the mouse, though, is when I got my first, uh, still not real job, but job. I in feel the like outdoors. we still have questions that have been left unanswered about this mouse. <laughs> Why? Uh, yeah, there's a lot. Did he Why? have like a? How, what did he enter? T- he was just like, "Hey kids, watch a mouse go down a mountain." Did you give him? Candy? Not even. I wasn't even supposed to go skiing. I was oh. just supposed to like dress up and walk around the resort and like make people smile. But it's like Disneyland. 
exactly like Disneyland. It was at a little resort <laughs> up in northern Vermont. Um, but I got bored of that real quick, and so I started putting skis on and just, like, going rogue and skiing around the mountain. And the kids really love that. <laughs> <laughs> did you do moguls in the... Oh, I did. Yeah, I did okay, it all. Great. The hardest part was the chairlift because the, the mouse has a really big head. And mm. as, like, mogul mouse, you have to put... I don't know if you know anything about ski resorts, but you have to put the safety bar down on the chairlift because the kids will say, mogul mouse, you know, you got to put your you. safety bar down. <laughs> But the thing was, the head wouldn't really fit. And so the hardest part was I almost got stuck on the lift because I couldn't get the oh, bar oh, back and just, over. So then it like keeps going? Yeah, just, that, <gasps> Mogul Mouse almost got stuck. It was almost, I made Sounds it like out. like Mogul Mouse almost got decapitated. <laughs> yeah, it was almost bad. Um, <laughs> okay, so what were you saying about your... <laughs> well, then, I, then after that, uh, I got a job at a ropes course. And that was like mm. my first job working with people like in the outdoors and like getting everyone from kids to like corporate groups to like, like team challenge building themselves, exercises team build. trying to get yeah. them across that rope ladder did you yeah. ever yeah. see like an adult 42 year old man have a panic attack on the ropes course oh several times yeah <gasps> what do you do well, just talk them down well we'd have these radios and <laughs> you would call for ground support and there was like this cargo net like halfway up <laughs> that was like the escape route and someone would come up the cargo net and like take the people down yeah it happened like on a regular basis wait i never i'm so sorry like your documentary sounds so interesting but i never want this train of jobs to end <laughs> <laughs> it was fun honestly it was like I had, like, a few other jobs in high school that were a lot more boring, like dishwashing or whatever. But, like, that was – I mean, that's what, like, jump-started my career in yeah. the outdoors because it was so much fun to be outside and, like, be using my body and, like, moving around and teaching people and, yeah. like, challenging myself and others and just, like um, – yeah, I was all about it. I was – You get, like – you got free zip lines or what? Oh, on the daily, yeah. Oh, so <laughs> cool. Oh, my God. You flip upside down and stuff? Well, they do this thing where the person at the bottom was like the break. They'd like sort of catch you with a rope. <laughs> but yeah. there was no like actual a... break. Well, no, it's a it would you gotta, like, like friction. It would like slow down. It like, goes yeah. up friction. a little at the end. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. slack. Okay, and, but, yeah. But they could like pull the rope down at the bottom and create this big wave in the cable <laughs> that would like you just be like weightless for a second and your stomach would drop. And that, yeah, that's what we did for kicks. That's like after hours <laughs> zip lining. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah, we uh, not recommended by the manufacturer. I don't think. Yeah, I feel yeah, like OSHA would be very upset about that. Yeah, they don't. Petzl. They don't listen to this. <laughs> not sponsored by OSHA. Uh, no. So when you Just did you is that how you were able to get a job doing outdoor ed in California? Like that experience. Hmm. Like how did you go from Vermont? It's a jump, right? Yeah. So. The deal was is that I just graduated high school. Also, and yeah, can I – and you were, your parents were like, you don't need to go to college, which I think is not a thing that many kids, 18-year-olds, hear today. And I think they, more people should hear. Yeah, so my parents are both educators. Uh, my dad teaches special ed. My mom is a kindergarten teacher. And I think because of that, they've had incredible insight into education that sure. a lot of folks don't have. Mm -hmm. And so – they always knew that, like, the most important thing was, like, that you were, I mean, they wouldn't say this, but that you were stoked on what you were doing, you <laughs> yeah. know, that you were, 
like self-motivated and happy. And so, you know, even though, yeah, most of my friends, I'd say 90% of my friends and peers in high school were going to college. Um, I mean, that was the last thing I wanted to do. I barely made it through high school. And so there was not really much push for that. I did go dabbling community college after graduation. Um, and that's when I was working at the ropes course. I was also doing some ski instructing part-time during that time. What kind and of classes did you take in community college? I took, I was into business. So I was trying to take small business classes. Huh. Um, and it's like the yeah, last some thing of I would ever have guessed. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's foreshadowing to trying to like get grants for a documentary yeah. but like understanding, <laughs> yeah, understanding money is helpful I don't know yeah so I was interested in that at the time and uh didn't didn't really stick with it and was just restless I was like not not doing great and uh I had a buddy out in Montana and it was maybe late winter early spring and I was like I've never been out west like I want to go to Montana you know we're gonna go ski in Montana yeah. and so I like my buddy said yeah come on out and I told my folks and I told the well I told like my job at the time and they said okay well if you leave your job's not gonna be here yeah. for you when you get back and I Where said that there's um, no job security at the ropes course <laughs> I said, okay. Um, Can't tie it down. It's still worth it. I'm going to go. And then I told my folks, and my dad is like, uh, well, your car's going to break down. It's not going to make it. And, uh, Classic dad. And I said, no, I'm going to figure it out. And so my plan was is that I was going to drive out west, and I had like four months until I did have a summer job lined up. Mm. And I was like, I have four months. I'm going to try to find a job like on the drive out there. And I don't know what it's going to be. I found this website called coolworks.com and uh, started driving. And by the time I got to like Nebraska, uh, I had got this job at High Trails Outdoor Science School being uh, an outdoor educator. Whoa. But did not, was there a requirement? And this is just a bet I have with my husband. That you oh, needed, that's the place in yeah. Big Bear. Did you need a degree? And you were just like, or no. Yeah, so there was this job posting for High High Trails Outdoor Science School in Big Bear, California, Southern California. And uh, the job application did require a college degree, but I don't know why I thought that they, I mean, maybe it's like an ego thing. I don't know, but I'm like, ah, it doesn't apply to me or whatever. We'll try anyways. And it turned out that, um, you know, it was the way they did programs there is they divide up. Um, you know, cabins into two groups, uh, into male cabins and female cabins, and they really needed instructors to go <laughs> in the male cabins. And so since I was an identifying male, they were like, we don't care. We just need somebody for the next two months. You're a body. So, you can clean and you up like, Hello. Literally, <laughs> literally, literally, I was in like Nebraska and I had this interview and I was you know, the type of interview where you make it through the questions halfway and you're like, I don't actually remember what you asked me. Like, it was so bad. Uh, but, like, <laughs> the next day I was in, you know, the next state west or whatever, and they sent me an email, and they're like, congratulations, we'd love to have you. And, uh, 
And, and I you was were like, like, surely not. <laughs> I was ecstatic. Actually, I was in a McDonald's. No. I was. Because Bolt it was before circle. I had a smartphone. And so I yeah. had to check my email. Free Wi-Fi in McDonald's. Yes. And it's like, welcome to High Trails. And I, I was, yeah, it was like one of the best moments. Wait, of, so this uh, was this was pre-summer job? Yeah. Or this was to replace that summer job? No, well, they only need, they run in the school year. So gotcha. I had a summer job ah, starting okay. in June. This was March, and they needed someone literally for like March, April, May. And uh, Did you so ever I, get to Montana? Uh, I did, briefly, okay. for like one day, and then I was like, dude, sorry, I got better things to do. Like, I got a job, I'm going to California. <laughs> well, what's That's so awesome. funny about this high trails thing, I think one thing that maybe resonated with you, as I understand it, and this is all stuff from my husband, so half of it could be lies, and I barely pay attention to what he said, mm. but all <laughs> fourth graders in the state of California have to like go be a week in the outdoors, which is a really cool thing that California does. Like, that is awesome. And the other thing is, everyone that I've met through him that worked at that program has been really amazing. And that's where you met Haley True, who is your partner currently, who is the most wonderful person in the world. Is that all true? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, she's great. Everybody's great. I mean, Chris, you know, your husband, he's a pretty good guy. He's fine. Uh, I, I mean, he this... does listen to this podcast, so he will be <laughs> This is what I'm talking about, Hi, though, with, like, everything for me is, like, the outdoors, you know? Like, I, like I said, I was not a good place. I was, like, going from McDonald's to dressing up as a mouse and then <laughs> found this job teaching kids, like, to go to this place without a college degree and be working with college-educated folks and have the responsibility to, like... Yeah go lead kids miles into the woods and teach them stuff that I myself had <laughs> did not actually know uh, but had to learn was like it, it was awesome you know I never really like had that responsibility to that point and like meanwhile there's just like this place this job high trails just filtered out all the cool people in the world for you and so like yeah, I met my partner of now six years there. I've met like so many of my best friends to this day at that place. Um, and so like, yeah, that was like, that was and still is to this day, like the best move that I ever made and the best job I ever had. Thanks, cooljobs.com. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, cool works. Cool works. Yeah, oh yeah, well, highly recommend it. <laughs> the other thing that we've heard from some people, Jordan, that I want to keep reiterating is like apply for things that you're not qualified for. Because you don't yeah. actually know, and something could turn out. Because you are not the first person who's like, I didn't have the qualifications, but it was interesting. So I threw my hat in the ring, and it changed the path of my life. And that's insane, right? Yeah, I think people like often think the decision point is like when to apply, and it's not. Like as hmm. like honestly, this is a lesson I learned dressing up as a mouse. Is like. <laughs> Every one, time one I'm of the embarrassed yeah. about something, like if I have to apply for a job I'm not qualified for, I think it holds people back because it's sort of embarrassing. You're like really taking a big step. You're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so when I do those things, I like put my imaginary mouse hat on and then no one knows who I am. And Aww. that's that's the reality with applying for a job. It's like nobody knows who you are. Like yeah. if you don't get the job, like not no worries people like, aren't going home were. and laughing at you yeah your, <laughs> your <laughs> reputation is not hurt like it's fine and so yeah. don't make the decision of like you know applications can be a lengthy process but like at least that first step is 
you know, at least in a lot of fields, like not that bad. And so like take that first step and see where it goes. Like you can you can go through the whole process and get the job and then be like, actually, I don't want it. You know, yeah. like like don't make the decision until you like you don't want to make their decision for yeah. them. Yeah. So like just try it out and I don't know. It it worked for me, for me that one time at least. So I'm going <laughs> to keep trying. I it. think it's where I think but I think it works for other people. So Jordan, then in the time so in the time I've known you which was a few years after that. Actually not that many, I don't think. But you were your ski patroller. I will point out you correct. I obviously don't ski. I ne- I learned to ski at 22 when I was in New Zealand, and mm. I never got past pizza and French fries. And I Me too. hated it. I love cross country skiing, too. but downhill. But you are a fantastic skier. So you and Haley did ski patrol. But in the time I've known you, you were a trail builder. You <laughs> led the trail building crew at Dartmouth. You like learned to build rock walls. You woofed on a farm for a while. I think you lived in a silo one, like a farm silo one of the summers I knew you. That sounds dangerous. Um, Aren't silos like... I feel like you had a cat, but you didn't have running water. I don't know if that's true or not. (laughs) Yeah, that's accurate. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess... The dream. (laughs) From all of those, mainly because I don't want to keep you all night, and I know we could talk all night. How did you go... Are there are any of those jobs you were, did, what lessons did you learn there? And then like, what helped your decision to be like, okay, I know what I want to do. I'm going to go to college now. Like, how did you get from your outdoor yeah. education to ski patrol back to the East Coast where I met you to, I'm going to go to UVM. Let's do it. Yeah, totally. So after high trails, it was like definitely hooked on outdoor seasonal work. Mm. Um, I was like, this is what I want to do. I can try something new every, you know, if it's a school program, it's like every nine months and then you get a summer job, you know, or, or, you know, trail work is in the summers. There's like outdoor ed during the school year or, or yeah, there, you can farm one, you know, in the spring for harvest and stuff. And so I, for me, like I've always been a person of variety. And so I was like, I just want to try a bunch of stuff because I, I know I want to be outside, but mm. I still don't really know how. And I, the mantra that I had that whole time, I don't know where I picked it up. I learned it somewhere, but was this idea of like learning while I earn. And so I was convinced that like it was worth my time to try all yeah. these different jobs because I was getting paid. Like I didn't, you know, my grandmother sent me like $2,000 one time so I could buy a new car because my car was like about to blow up. And like beyond <laughs> that, I was able to like largely support myself thanks, um, throughout yeah. that. Oh yeah, thanks Gigi, love you. <laughs> um, but beyond that, honestly, like I was supporting myself and that like was a big point of pride for me because a lot of my friends, like even though they were going to school, like I knew that they were just also complaining about going into debt. And so yeah, for me, it was like, I'm not making a lot of money, but a lot of these outdoor seasonal jobs were like providing housing, even if it was a, a, a silo in the woods. Um, <laughs> Without running water. So, <laughs> yeah. But a cat. With a cat. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, bonus. Um, so like I, yeah, I was just trying to figure out what I was into. And so, you know, when Haley was like, and, and she was sort of largely on the same path, but she went to school and decided that. She didn't want to be in politics, what she'd studied. And so she, together we were like, 
you know, hey, let's try this out. And she said, hey, I've always wanted to be a ski patroller. And it actually, you know, for us at the time, like it paid pretty well. And we got a job at the same place. And it was like, hey, great, Perfect. let's go to Utah. Yeah. And did that for a couple of years and acquired a ton of skills. We're supporting ourselves and saving up a little bit of money the whole time. And, um, and then that brought me to like taking trail building seriously and, you know, getting really into like this idea of building things. Um, and after doing that for a few years, I finally like <laughs> sort of maybe realized something that other people could have seen far bef before me, but I was like, oh, I'm like really into this stuff. Like, <laughs> conservation and outdoor recreation. I was like, I've gotten to the point where it's worth it for me to invest in an mm. education. You knew what you wanted to do. Exactly. You put a name that to that subject also. But I think, yeah. Jordan, what's in, what, what is so unique about your story is like the way that the U.S., like our current society works and the pressures mm. that we put on 18-year-olds are like, no, 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 you go to college now and like figure it out. And then when you're, I see my seniors like this all the time, like figure life out at 22 and it's a big deal for them to see people who graduate and don't have their life figured out. Never mind, see somebody who like acknowledged, no, college was not right for me because I don't think it's right for a lot of 18 year olds, but there's this huge societal pressure to be like, go figure it out. And you don't know what's out there. You don't know what you're good at. You don't know what you're bad at. I hope these four years work and goodbye like $150,000. So I think it's a really, I love that about your journey in that you're like, I'm just going to figure out what I like. And once I do, great. And you figured out how to make that work for you, which is not an easy thing to do, I think. Yeah, I can't speak to like the family and, and like parental pressures. Like if you have that, you know, if your students have that or anyone has that, oh, like they do. Yeah. I don't, that's hard and I'm not like I I didn't and I feel so lucky for that and I feel like increasingly lucky as like I have these conversations with my peers now these kids that are in college I'm in class with that have that and I'm like I I mean if you don't want to be here like yeah I don't know if it's honestly like it it's blunt and whatever but it's what I believe like if if you're paying money every year to figure out what you're into, I think you're <laughs> wasting your money. It's the opposite of earn and learn. Like you wouldn't make a big investment in anything else, like a house, without seeing it. So like before you invest in like the, uh, yeah. you know hundred thousand, two hundred thousand plus education, like go and and not just visit the school, but like. It, it, Take a year to explore that lifestyle and see if it's for you. Oh, Jordan, you don't know my and Chris's Richmond house story, obviously. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, sight unseen, huh? Oh, boy. We came down one oh, weekend, saw 14 nice house. houses, and picked one because we're idiots. The house is nice. This is not the area we would ideally, you know, it's, it's sort of I that, see. like, live in the Didn't space. Yeah. Let yourself grow. But also a house is, like, lower, like, you can resell a house. You can't. Yeah, resell, you resell your college education, education. that's true that's <laughs> and true. so yeah. i just think like <laughs> there are so many i like if you have the option to go to school chances are you have like other options you know you have the flexibility like for some folks it's like if you have the opportunity to go to school like and maybe there's some money for you to go like then, then they're going to take it because it makes sense. Maybe they have scholarships that won't be available later on. Oh, like, yeah. Then they should take it because it's worth it. But, like, right. if you've got options and maybe financial flexibility or just, like, life flexibility, like, 
I don't know. I, it's like, doesn't make sense to me to spend money before you actually know, um, you know, figure it out and make some money. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think you're right. I, there are reasons, there are a lot of reasons. Some people, a lot of my students are like, I came to this school because they gave me money. And you're like, obviously, absolutely. You take the place that pays you. But the par- your parents being so supportive, I don't think, I remember my high school being like 100% college acceptance rate. Oh, yeah, right. Which is, which is like a different, there's like pressure at all. So, so I think having well, the not, parents that you had. Yeah. It's not know. even just like direct pressure, like, no, you go to yes. college. It's like yeah. that is what is done in a lot of yeah. situations. Yeah. Like that is what's done. You don't like even think about doing other things. I totally understand that because um, I felt it for sure. Like I, when I, I spent the first six months after high school, like living in an apartment by myself in Burlington, this dingy studio apartment. All my friends were like literally across the street at UVM. And uh, once I realized that like they weren't going to come over to my apartment, hang out with me, that they were going to hang out with their new college friends <laughs> is when it like sunk in that I was like, oh, this is like this kind of stinks um Hmm. but like once i found like my thing which is being in the outdoors like i took a lot of pride in that of being like you know somebody out west and like exploring and trying new things and like honestly once that stopped making sense and i was like no longer proud to be the one that didn't go to college like when i was like honestly it was when i was teaching the trail building to dartmouth students and realized that you know, no offense, but I was like, well, shoot, if you guys can do this, <laughs> I sure as heck can go to college. So, uh, you know, My not to Dartmouth because, <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. I mean, honestly, I had like I was teaching the trail stuff in the summer, which I really enjoyed. I love yeah, teaching people skills in the outdoors and building teams and like getting important, you know, erosion control and conservation work done. Uh, but then in the winter, I actually worked at the coffee shop in the Dartmouth school library for in king arthur flower uh, yeah i love for a couple of months and that place well one it's like crazy very busy yeah Um, it is but it's like the only time i've had a job like that and it took me like yeah i don't know five weeks of like handing people their coffee orders that were like obviously like studying hard and like bettering themselves and like all this stuff and I just realized that like I wanted to be on the other side of the counter at that point and, I love and it. that was like it for me and I was like okay uh it's time I'm gonna go to college that's that's awesome. great also I miss that King Arthur little flower stand I I talked to an old friend about that with the bacon cheddar scones there all the time neither of us <laughs> are in New Hampshire and the one thing I remember most about standing in that extremely long line in that library is it was like the most college order I'd ever heard where every student would be like, can I get a hot chocolate with a shot of espresso? And I'm like, oh my God, you're 18. Just get the coffee. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't even sound good. Chaffee, it's half coffee, half chocolate milk. Right. It just sounded like a child trying to be an adult. And I'd be in, I mean, I was a postdoc, right? So I was like, oh, these children. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Can I, can we finish with two last questions? What yeah, do you yeah. hope to be when you grow up with your natural resources degree? What do you hope to do? Well, I mean, that's a great question. Something that I've gotten really interested in since being at school is just there's something I learned on my trip is that there's like three ways of sort of combating this crisis, this this negative relationship that humans have sort of developed or many humans have developed to the natural world. You know, you can combat it with 
policy changes. Um, uh, you can combat it with technological solutions. But there's like this third thing that's that has been described to me during this trip on Lake Champlain is this cultural change, mm. this just social change of like how we see the natural world and how we see humans as a part of it and not like having dominion over it. And so what I hope to do after school is, you know, might not be a specific title or job in mind, but it's like to continue to, it, to work on building, ha- helping people have a healthier relationship with the natural resources around them. And, and I think that the key to that is like, you gotta get out there you got to spend time in the natural world and the more that you do in a way that you that you learn about it and respect it is it's got to be good i really don't see how it could be bad and so i want to continue to do that um and and build community between people and the outdoors and then help them build community with with uh, the natural world around them well when you get a business card you will have to let us know what is your LinkedIn? We ask you about it. What does your LinkedIn <laughs> thing say? What's your LinkedIn like title? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it says undergraduate. What is LinkedIn? The business card of today. <laughs> you should yeah. tell yeah, them well, about their story. Yeah, <laughs> LinkedIn is like the modern day business card, right? Yeah, like I don't, I don't print paper business cards and hand them out. I, I mean, I don't really tell people to hit me up on LinkedIn either. But sometimes <laughs> they find me, and it's great. Um, but yeah, it's it says uh, student of life in the <laughs> University of Vermont, builder of trails and community, and producer of place-based media and belly laughs. That's oh, delightful. Amazing. <laughs> well, so I don't know what that means, but uh, I think it's what I do. I love it. Yeah, I like it. We have one last question that we ask all of our guests. Do you have a pet? And I think Steph already knows the answer to this, and so I'm gonna ask it. Do you have a pet? And what is their social media presence like? Mm. I have a dog. <gasps> What's the dog's Bucket. name? Yeah. <laughs> Bucket, for those who missed that, because Steph talked Sorry. over it. Why is your dog <laughs> named Bucket? My dog is named Bucket because it brings joy to all those who utter his name. <laughs> that can confirm. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. I don't. There's not much. Uh, well, actually, the real thing is, is that my partner said that, you know, if she ever had children, she would name them Biscuit, Brisket, and Basket, <laughs> and the dog's name would be Bucket. How uh-huh. does Bucket feel about Bucket hats coming back into style? I must know. Yeah, I mean he's down. <laughs> he won't. He won't wear one. He won't. But he, okay. He, he, I think he'd support him, yeah. Would he wear, he would not wear a bucket hat that says bucket on it then? Um, no, but if you want to send him one, we can try. (laughs) You can cut some ear holes out, yeah. I'm sure they make bucket hats for dogs that you can embroider, just throwing that out there. (laughs) Steph's like, I know what I'm doing this weekend. (laughs) Merry Christmas, bucket. Happy Hanukkah. (laughs) He just wants to see you. That's what would make him happy. Lick, we lick want your face all over. Tell Bucket him we say hi. I'm, Bucket was <laughs> Bucket was is Bucket was a puppy when I knew him and all over the place. But Bucket and Edgar need to meet, and that'll be mm. great. Wait, does Bucket have his own social media, or is he on yours? Absolutely not. I mean, I barely have one. 
I have one for the film, but yeah, we'll, we'll link to Ooh, that. Tell us about that. We'll tell. No, what is it? Oh yeah. What's what? What is the your film? say what it the is? Handle for the film. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's uh, Lake Champlain film. Oh. So All at right. Lake Champlain <laughs> film, or you can go to www.lakechamplainfilm.com. And we've got a lot of cool footage and, and sneak peeks of the film that, uh, yeah, we're still working on. We're in the editing booth now. Pretty much all the cinematography is done. And we're just focused on pulling all the pieces together into uh, about a 30-minute story that uh, hopefully will inspire people to spend more time in the lake and, and you know challenge them to see some of its issues from uh, different perspectives and uh, hopefully play a part in its stewardship.